Cosmere can be a confusing place. From Allomancy to Surge Binding, there's a lot to look out for. We're your hosts and escorts to the realms. I'm Griff. And I'm Alex. And, and this, this is, is the Silverlight Silver Guide to the Cosmere. What's going? Any life updates, Griff? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, we had a little bit of a freeze here a while back, but apart from that, it kept me from going to work for a few days, but... Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I won't deny that. It was... Although I didn't know quite what to do with myself. I should have read Dawn Shard, to be perfectly honest. I was thinking you might have, and then I should have... I should have texted you and been like, hey, read this. You really should have, because I completely and utterly forgot that I owned that book. <laughs> I need to get a bookcase, to be perfectly honest. I really do. I think they're, uh, pretty cheap at Walmart. Yeah, probably. I also need a place to put it, but that's a... You could buy a bin at Walmart, put the bookcase in the bin. No matter where you go, it's not going to get wet. At least on the bottom. Well, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That would work. <laughs> I. That seems less useful than it might be otherwise. Yep, it sure does. <laughs> um, but on to Sanderson news. Yes. Uh, we've got the lost metal at sixty percent uh, for the first revision. Yes, and then he has. He said he had one short revision after that. Yep. Where he'll go through it again. Right. And then, and then he'll get uh, onto Stormlight, because the Lost Metal will be coming out in, in November, uh, November right? 14th yes. or 15th, which so. coincides with Dragonsteel Convention. Yes. Uh, Minicon in Salt Lake City. Or, and yeah, Salt Lake. I will be having that on pre-order for the audiobook. Uh-huh. I've already got that pre-ordered. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair. I had, fair. A free, I had a credit, and I was like, I'm not going to buy anything else. Um, yeah, I yeah. have a couple of credits, and, and so I need to put one of those towards... For sure, for sure. And then and then he'll, after he's done with the editing, he'll move on to Stormlight 5, which I am... I love that he has named each of the books after a book inside the book. Oh, okay, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I see what you're saying. And I am wondering... The first two were books that had already been written that the characters mentioned and, and built, you know, the Way of Kings was oh, already right, a thing. Oh, right, right, yeah, the Way and of the Kings was... And the Words of, Radi Words of Radiance was already a thing. Right, And right. then the second, the next two right. were written during the at series. least one part right. during the series. And Cause... I'm wondering if the fifth will be a future book that will just be mentioned right at the very end. Either the very end or the beginning of Stormlight Series 2. That's right, yeah. So... so or will it be another book? And if so, is it, is it maybe Zeth's book? Is it so on? It's that could be. It could be Zeth's. Um, it could also potentially be Lyft's, because she is maturing as a person. That's true. And so I could definitely see that. Or it could be Yasna. Could be Yasna. Though she was also the one that wrote Oathbringer, was she not? She did the... She, uh, Dalinar asked her to do the... Oh, right. Asked her to do under the... Undernotes. The, the, the analysis, yeah. The, yeah, the... What do they call them in the... Yeah, where... It's I like, know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the sub... The sub-writing. Yeah. Um, right before Wax and Wayne yeah. 4 comes out and try to... 
plan out a chronological re-listen. You might need to start now. Le- yeah. <laughs> You're not entirely wrong. Uh, the, 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 the Way of Kings books are... Uh, spoiler, if you haven't caught on by now, spoilers for all books from yes. this point on. Because in Oathbringer, Azure mentions that uh, she has only... She came across the Cognitive Realm about a year ago. So that puts Warbreaker right potentially potentially because because unfortunately where warbreaker ends and where we see vasher and azure or uh, what was her fucking name nevena nevena yeah um we don't know how much time there was between they set off on their own journeys and they actually discovered the cognitive realm but i i would bet heavily that it definitely happens after the initial mistborn era and I imagine that it actually does happen within 20 or so years of Stormlight 1 happening. I will agree that I believe it, it be, or I believe that Warbreaker takes place in between the first Mistborn era and Stormlight. That's clear because sure. we know that Stormlight 1 happens right before Wax and Wayne. Yes, Stormlight Sequence 1. Yeah, Sequence 1. All of Stormlight Sequence 1 happens before Wax and Wayne. We know that Wax and Wayne takes place about 300 years after Mistborn. That's right. So, yeah, no, that's that's no question. But, yeah, the the, the exact timeline is hard to pin down. Because of the nature of Investiture. That is also true. The fact that apparently Investiture has a dilation aspect the same way that Gravity does makes all of this... Far more complicated. Yes. <laughs> because we obviously see that, uh, um, Demo. 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 Whatever. The, the we fucking... are our own director. <laughs> right, exactly. Anyway, regardless. I believe they say Demo in the books. Yeah. Body books. They, um, we see him both in Mistborn Era 1 and in Stormlight Era 1. So That's right. clearly. Either breath and the immortality that comes with it is involved in there, or it's the time dilation of heavily invested areas, which may mean that Silverlight is so steeped in investiture that it forms its own gravity well, where time outside of it is passing a lot more than time inside of it. That does make a lot of sense, given that Hoyt is older than the Heralds. And the fact that Chris is still up and walking around and is clearly heavily part of Silverlight. And she takes place potentially chronologically earlier than any other character we have run into thus far. Yes. Because White Sand is chronologically older than any of the other series. Good to know. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Chronologically, because Chris appears in the secret history of that's right is it the secret misborn the a secret history yes and appears in wax and wayne and stormlight wait does she appear in stormlight not in stormlight but she writes the bits out right she writes the 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 ars arcanum yeah um but because of, because she both appears in a secret misborn a secret history and well, just that, actually. That, therefore, means that she... Ha- and 
that White Sand must at least predate Mistborn, uh -huh. which would mean that the only book that could possibly predate White Sand would be Elantris. And so it's kind of up in the air about that, but I still potentially think that White Sand predates Elantris. Likely. That's just my own theory. So we know that Elantris predates Mistborn, so right. Elantris might predate White Sand. Might. But it's a little up in the air, because we know that also the publication of White Sand was a little bit iffy, because I think he had planned to write it as a book, because he has the, the chapter one in the Arcanum Unbounded, um, but then, of course, they turned it into a graphic novel. Um, as one does. As one, Well, yes, I suppose. I I was, as an audiobook listener, I will freely admit I am not entirely happy with the fact that it came out as a, <laughs> yes. as a as a graphic novel, um, because that makes it much harder for me to, because because don't get me wrong, the group that did it did a great job. I don't have an issue with them, but I will freely admit that the on a bookshelf they sit on a bookshelf. <laughs> anyway. Onto the topic. Onto the topic. Onto the main discussion. Yes. Adelnaeusium and the realms. Yes. Uh, Band name. Yes. Called yes. it. Called it. No, uh, mine. Mine actually will be Vesuvius and the ruins. Okay, that's fair. Um, fair. I'll, I'll take Adelnaeusium and the realms. And, sure. Uh, we can we can have it be a virtual band in the same right. way the gorillas were. Sure. So, because because we can have Adelnaeusium and then we can have the three realms. Yes. And it's a four-man band, and it's perfect. And then what's really happening is that it's all uh, layers of vocals, 16 layers of vocals. Oh, good God. And it sounds like Queen. That would be... Okay, so what it would have to be is... Ooh. Because then you could do a pentatonics thing where even if it's not instrumental, you still have oh, sure. instrument-esque sounding yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Because Pentatonix has kind of the beatboxing thing going on. That's right. On. That's so, right. So, yeah. So there, there's it that. It could work yeah. out. It could work out. It could work out, yeah. Stay tuned for more. <laughs> no, Adelnasium, uh, Adelnasium and the Realms. Why this topic? Uh, because they're foundational. We're, we're trying to... Our entire goal for this podcast was to work from the very basic up to the finer details, and I believe that Adonalsium and the Three Realms predate pretty much anything else in the entirety of the Cosmere. Although, the new graphic novel that just came out might argue with that. Sure. Because now we know that, and I mean, we, we've already discussed spoilers, and I have not read it yet, so I don't know to what extent. But we now know that Earth is, at least in some respects, connected to the Cosmere. Right. And I I am still not completely convinced that it's part of the Cosmere. I do lend that he has said that it... The latest thing he said in 2014 was that it right. was. But I would like to hear a more specific yay or nay from him I agree. currently. I agree, because... So I suppose what we'll do is we'll we'll pin, we'll pin, the dark one. The dark one. Yeah, the dark, dark one. one to to the Cosmere for the moment. But I agree, I'd like to hear a little bit more because I will freely admit if Brandon Sanderson is bringing Earth into it, 
that complicates things a great deal. Yes, and that is that is why I'm so hesitant to just fully let myself believe. Right. When we have we we have knowledge of Yolan, we have knowledge of Skadriel being his. If it's on Earth, it's on Skadriel. Right. So. Right. But. But regardless, that all aside. Adonalsium and the realm is pretty pretty much anything else in the Cosmere. It is the foundation that we at least work from going forward. We know, of course, that the humans and dragons at least coexisted with Adonalsium at some point. Whether or not they were there from the beginning or if Adonalsium predates them, I don't know. And that other race that was on Yellen. Oh, yeah. The, the forearmed people. Yeah, whatever they're called. Um, but we haven't seen them anywhere else. No, but we do here. know, I think Autonomy is one. Oh, interesting. The, okay. the Vessel of Autonomy is. Right, the Vessel of Autonomy but is. I believe she was the only one that we know of. Um, but anyway, yes, that's the reason why we are covering right. Adonalsium in the realms, is because I don't think you can get more foundational than... No. And no. we don't have enough on all and Elysium to make an entire episode out of. So. Yeah, we'd have to go full <laughs> Isaac Asimov to go foundation on... Any more foundational on... Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Bad. Sorry. And, and unfortunately, we don't have enough on all and Elysium to make an entire episode out of. So right. that's why we're also covering the realms. Right. So what what do what do we know about Elysium? Not a whole lot. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> we know that was that... it. That was the show, guys. <laughs> right, Thanks for listening. <laughs> Um, we know that it uh, is either a being, place, or thing. I agree with Chris on her quote that I, I lean towards the fact of it being a being. Right. Um, Same. Because of the fact that they use the words kill multiple times, plus, which, which could be metaphorical, I'm not arguing with that, but... And the fact that Adonalsium seems to show a level of free will and conscious decision. Right. Because we know that Roshar was... The Roshar system was handcrafted by Adonalsium. That's right. And the fact that the 16 shards required vessels that were also sentient beings mm -hmm. makes me assume that it would be a being. That said, there isn't... We don't have enough to say that it could not potentially be a sentient place or a sentient thing that was not a being, per se. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but... So, there we go. It was a thing. Uh, it spoke, uh, at least yes, figuratively. At least uh, four words. Uh, four commands. Four commands. And... So, the Dawn Shards. The Dawn Shards. As far as we know... The Dawn Shards were commands used by Adonalsium to shape the world. Shape the universe. Shape the universe. Shape the something. Shape Shape things. the Cosmere. Yes. Like, okay, so there's a few... We're, we're moving into theory territory here because we really don't have a lot of concrete information about the Dawn Shards. Right. We have one, which is apparently the word of remaking... Which ends up in Risen's head. Right. 
However, I would say that... I'm going to say that the realms existed... Independent of Aldenalsium. The physical, spiritual, and... Or spirit... The physical, cognitive, and spiritual realms. Yeah, if... If, Adel, if Adelnalsium is the supreme being... Right. Then they would be... They would have existed at the same time. Right. In whatever, yeah. sense of, whatever sense of time you want to think about. Right, right. I mean, the spiritual realm itself is infinite. It right. encompasses all past and future and all places. So... Therefore, it gets a little wonky on that front. Uh, like, what existed when gets a little wonky on that front. <laughs> but, yes, I think that the spiritual... But I believe that the Dawn Shards were the commands used for him to shape what existed in the physical realm. Okay. That is my theory on it. Makes I sense. think the spiritual realm already existed. Mm -hmm. And I think even the cognitive realm... Once there was a mind to think... Right. ...existed. But I think the physical realm, while existing, didn't have anything in it. Sure. And I think that the Dawn Shards were used to craft all things in the physical realm. Right. Now, the questions that I have... Well, okay, there's some, there's some things we can, we can infer from the shard that Reeson gets, which is remaking. Okay. Or changing. Reshaping? What's the word? Do you have your... You don't have your copy of Dawn Shard. Not anymore. <laughs> I don't have mine. I didn't bring mine with me. Let's see if I get any spoilers for the secret... Right. ...books just going to Dawn Shard. Um, the four primal commands that Edelnassium used to create all things. There you go. Um which can supercharge the powers of anyone using an invested art. Uh, Interesting. Which is why they said don't bond a spren. Right. Is okay, it changes the... So I would say that, from my opinion, if one is changed, then one would be create and one would be destroy. Yep, that makes sense. The fourth one is a little less clear. Hey now, are you reading spoilers? N N not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, hold on, let me make sure it's not spoilers. Was it from an interview? No, it was from two years ago. Okay. It's a, from a word of Brandon. Oh, okay. Hoyd was a Dawn Shard at oh. some point in the deep past. Whoa, wait, he was? Not that he held, he was. Right. So Risen is a Dawn Shard. Oh, okay. So the Dawn Shards are the ones who hold the... Okay. Yes. He can't... And the reason he even still cannot physically harm people or even eat meat is related to the changes made to his spirit. Interesting. Consider this the same fundamental principle as Savanthood. The few of you who have read Dragonsteel know that him being a Dawn Shard was also the source of his immortality in that book, though the terms were different back then as Don Shard was never mentioned, and Dragon Steel is no longer canon. Fascinating. Yes. <sighs> Anyways, um... So Hoyd was a Don Shard, and I'm assuming that is still canon. Uh, yes. I, I believe so. I mean, I guess it's being carried, carried by Risen? I don't... There's probably distinctions that 
are happening because of an imperfect human language. Right, right. Or not complete thoughts of Sanderson and whoever copied it to the wiki. Right. Um, Let me say this. Canon information that we have thus far... Right. ...is Risen is carrying it. It is called Change. I would say Create and Destroy would probably exist. Right. Um... Now, what the fourth one is, is kind of unknown, because once you have Create, Change, and Destroy, what's left? Uh, Far Out Theory, Dance. (laughs) You're laughing. If it's Dance, and I'm right, yes, that's... Maybe uh, Movement, though. Like, you could could potentially consider that different than Change. Yeah. Because Change could be Change to a thing specifically... But not necessarily things like changing your position in time and space. Right. So movement might be the fourth word. And maybe Hoyd was move, um, or movement, and that's why he's everywhere. Um, that could be. There, we solved it. There we go. We, don't we got to, it. We don't have to read anymore. No. Forget the secret books. We got it. We're good. We figured it out. Um, but uh, something that was interesting about the Dawn Shards, though, that I found, was that when Risen absorbs one... She seems to get some effects of heightening from breath. Yes. Colors are more vibrant. Everything is a little more vibrant. Right. And I just found that interesting. I found it I found it interesting that that was specified. So did I. And I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means either because endowment would not be the first one I would think of when it comes to change. No. Cultivation would absolutely be the first one sure. that I would think of when it comes to change. Sure. So why why did change show some It's indicated that it is it is uh different on on a basic level than it's similar to heightening, but it is fundamentally different. Different. it is fundamentally different. Interesting. But yeah, that's all we have about the Dawn Shards when it comes, at least canonically so far. Yep. Although it does make me wonder if it's like Investiture and so that it can be like eaten by Chiri Chiri. I assume not. I assume not, because I think it would have already had it done so, had that been the case. Right. But I definitely want to see Chiri Chiri become a... Large enough for that Risen can ride her. And, oh, yes. And then become a Chasm Fiend, and then become a Great Shell. Right. I, I, I want to see Chiri Chiri become a steed for Risen to ride, so yes. that she can become a a Fiend Knight. Yes. That, that's just the name I came up with right now. Sure. That'd be going through the uh, going through Shadesmar with the chasm fiend right i mean well to be fair i mean what 15 20 years are going to pass between series one and series two i have a feeling risen might be more prominent in series two and mm-hmm. and be able to ride cherry cherry at that point although this will also be a chasm fiend with wings cherry cherry can fly unless all chasm fiends start out and then they lose their wings true and... it's possible yeah it is possible we do know that Chasm Fiends have Luxpren, which allows them to bear their intense weight. Yes. And without we, being crushed underneath it. And we do know that they're not inherently evil or antagonistic towards the creatures of Roshar. Oh, yeah. Insofar as the listeners at the end of Rhythm of War have one, and it's not killing them. Right, right. So, 
Uh, I do expect Risen to be immortal. Um, yes, I or, expect or the Donchar to give her immortality. Uh, like Hoyd. And I expect her to be at the end. I expect all four of the Dawn Shards to be at the end um, under Hoyd's advisement. I was about to say, I, I have a feeling that Hoyd is going to play a big part when it comes to Risen and the Dawn Shards. Oh, yeah. I expect he'll use them to recreate it now soon. Possible. Possible. But I think then, up until the very last series... I think that we're going to see the Don Shards be separate. Yeah. I mean, I would expect them to be on different worlds entirely, to be perfectly honest. Like, one was kept on Roshar, but the rest are elsewhere. And it's interesting that it was hidden to the point where Odium, like, the, the, the gods don't seem to care? The Shards don't seem to care about them? I don't think they don't care. I think they may not know. That's fair. Because I have a feeling that maybe unlike the Chondra, the Sleepless are not bound to shards. Sure. In any way, shape, or form. And I have a feeling that the Dawn Shards let me say this, I think if the if the shards knew they existed, I think they would try to get their hands on them. Because Probably. I do think it would be a power boost. So right. at the very least Odium would want to. That's true. Um, I have a feeling that either by accident or intent, they ended up on different planets, and people on those planets took it under their own power to hide said things. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but I think that's all we have on Dawn Shards at the moment. I think so. And then we also see that Silfrena and the other Spren are apparently little seeds of Adonalsium, which also lends credence to the idea that it was a being. Sure, yes, through through the splintering of Adonalsium to the splintering of honor. Right. The Spren have yes. Yes, so so it, it lends it lends credence to the idea that it was a being, in my opinion. Unfortunately, other than the four commands and the fact that it is most likely a being the only thing we know other than that is the shattering, which it was broken into the 16 shards, mm -hmm. 14 of which we have names for. Mm -hmm. uh, the last two are something we will cover later. Yes. Um, other than that, we don't have a whole lot. Because, unfortunately, I think other than Roshar, we don't know of any other planets that were crafted specifically by Adonalsium. Now, that said... I don't know if Adonalsium was also responsible for creating the other planets that were not crafted specifically by the shards. Because right. we know that Skadriel was mm -hmm. specifically crafted by preservation and ruin. At least the humans were. Wait, humans as a species or the humans on Skadriel? The humans on Skadriel. Fair. So, so potentially... Adonalsium could be responsible for a lot of the other planets, mm -hmm. even the ones that do not have shards attached to them currently, like uh, yeah. uh, the planet the Sixth of Dusk takes place on, which yes. I am drawing a blank on the name of the planet. I know it's mentioned in Arcanum Unbounded, but yes. I have not listened to that in so long that I don't remember the name of the planet. 
Well, I've looked at it last week, and I can't tell you the name of the player either, so... Yeah, but, um... So, so he could be responsible for all of those. Although, those could also be planets that were not necessarily specifically crafted by him, but just an aspect of the universe he formed. Right. And the laws that it works under. Right. Because we know Roshar was, but he may not have taken as much care in the forming of these other planets. Yes. So. Yes. After Roshar, he was like, that's a lot. So we're just going to not. Yeah. Nah. Probably. I think Roshar came last. Probably. And unfortunately, other than that, we don't know a whole lot. I mean, even even the conjecture that the other planets were his is still just oh, that sure. conjecture. It's, sure. We don't factually know that that's how it happened. Well, so. that's what this podcast is about, is True. conjecture. Yes, yes. Mostly. But we do also want to list down what we know factually. And as I said, without an Elysium, we don't know a whole lot. I think yep. Yep. we will hopefully be getting more about that in Dragonsteel. Yeah, so that'll happen after the second sequence of Stormlight. Right, so it's going to be a while. Um, because we know that we have... Mistborn Series 2, which is almost done. Yes. Stormlight Series 2. Uh-huh. Dragonsteel, and Mistborn Series 3. And then, finally... Mistborn Series 4. That's right. And I think that's going to complete the series. Yes, like those, that is that is going to complete the odium arc of the, <laughs> that is the that is yes that caps the cosmere uh and he said after that he would still write well he still might write cosmere related stories but they would be like small little self-contained right but we still have a shit ton because we have one more book in in the wax and wane mm-hmm. potentially five more books in stormlight 2 Yes, plus the one that needs to be written. Right, right. Um, so that's one for Stormlight Series 1, uh-huh. one for Wax and Wayne 1. I know it's pretty much done, but yes. still. Five for Stormlight Series 2. Mm-hmm. Potentially three for for Mistborn 2. Should be three, yeah. That's what he said. Yeah, and then potentially three for Mistborn 4. And then three for Dragonsteel. And then three for Dragonsteel. I think he said, but... Which means we're looking at 16 more fucking books. Plus Warbreaker 2. Plus Warbreaker 2, yeah. So 17 more books. And then... Did he say the first of the sun was a... Short story, or was it a... I don't think we have that confirmed yet. Uh, We we know he started writing it. uh, Though I don't think it's required for the Cosmere to be complete. Probably not. So we have 17 books until the Cosmere is complete. So, so unfortunately, until... At a year and a half each, that'll be... 30 years. 30-ish years. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm hoping some of them don't take a year and a half to complete. I imagine they won't. Although I do believe he said Mistborn Era 3 will be uh, longer than the Wax and Wanes. Okay, but... Not necessarily as long as but yeah, not Stormlight. Stormlight. Not not yeah. Doorstops. Stormlight is by far the the longest books he has written thus far. Yes. Um, and if it doesn't end with the the shattering of Roshar, what did we even read it for? I feel like we're going to have to edit this heavily because we have definitely stepped out of the main discussion at this point. But we can go back right now. Yes. So the realms. The realms. Ah, uh, so there's the three realms. The three realms. We have the physical, 
yeah. the cognitive and the spiritual. Right. The physical is the easiest to explain, which is, it is the physical plane of existence. It is the planets and everybody on them and all of the physical objects that exist in that. Yes. It is what most people might refer to as the real world, quote, end quote. Because... The real fictional world. Yeah, the, the real fictional world, yes. Worlds. Um, oh, something that I did want to bring up about Adonosium, and this, maybe we'll move this over, cut this and, and bring it up when we bring up the shards, but considering that Adonosium was shattered into 16 shards, uh -huh. and each person gained a measure of power from Adonosium and being shattered. Yes. Does this mean that people, if they could gain access to it, could take a shard of an already shattered shard, a sliver of it, and gain a, a measure of power. Because we know that Odium has... I mean, they specifically refer to it as shattering. Like, he shattered Honor. Right. And that killed Honor. But, depending on what shape or form those shards took, do you think that somebody could get access to one of those shards and therefore gain a a sliver of the power of one of the already existing shards. And do we think that's what happened to Dalinar? Yes. Yes. And if there was a third question, also yes. Like... I do believe he has said... Brandon has said, um, given long enough... The power of honor still exists. Right. And would coalesce. Oh, okay. So shards are not permanent. You could put them back together so over a long enough right. time. Right. That wasn't quite what I was asking. Sure, sure. Though, but right. I feel like that might be what Dalinar was, was he gained a sliver of honor mm -hmm. after honor was shattered, which is why mm -hmm. he can open up honor's perpendicularity yes because no other bondsmith could do that before right because no no other bondsmith had bonded the storm father before or after the storm father gained the what was left over of honor right so the storm father has honor's splintered power and dalinar by the nail bond now has now has access, access to, to that. that power right yes they did explicitly say that in oathbringer right so i'm it's just it'd be interesting to see that i could i i wonder if that's going to be something that comes up in later stories with the other shards likely and prematurely that brings us to my first far out theory and that is that Hoyd will be bringing Adelnasium back. Ah, uh, yes. So he will be gathering all of that power. It's been, yeah, I, and I think that's also why Hoyd has been going through and getting the investiture of each of the different planets and therefore mm -hmm. each of the different shards, because although he failed with Elantris, so that'll be interesting. Um, well, he could just walk over there in the cognitive realm and scoop up... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just a little bucket full of yeah. devotion and dominion. Yeah. <laughs> he he brings a door and then he just painted an A on it. He's like, I got yeah. it. Got the A on door. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was just something that that 
did occur to me, which is like, if, if Adonalsium being shattered granted that power to the ones that shattered him, does that mean that somebody could come along and grab splinters of each shard and gain a measure of that power? Yes, I do believe so. Although we, and we've seen it to some extent because we know that Kelsier was granted a small measure of preservation's power before preservation died. Mm -hmm. And it was not quite allomancy, but it was able to grant something similar to, because he said he was able to leap farther and run without tiring and that kind of thing. Yes. So we'll probably have to rearrange all of this to make it a it's okay. cohesive discussion. This uh, is cohesive. Well, sort of. <laughs> In the same way that the <laughs> devotion and dominion are cohesive. Right. So, yeah, the physical realm, the physical realm. Whoa. Yeah. That, Imagine that's, that. I don't think one that requires a whole lot of description. No. No. The cognitive realm is an interesting one to me because it is both shaped by, or it is defined by, but also contains human thought. Yes. So, but it is also somewhat shaped by the planet at which it sits. Yes. Because we see that the cognitive realm for Stormlight exists in a vastly different form than the cognitive realm for Scadrial. And we haven't proven that it's only because Kelsier exists there. Right. <laughs> I mean, Kelsier has a big enough ego that, you know... Yeah. He, uh, he, 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 he made thought, himself a god. Yes. He thought that it should be missed, and therefore it was. Yes. No. Um, um, but... Yeah, so it is. It is all. It contains, but is also defined by yes. human thought, uh, which I, which is why I find it so interesting. But also at the same time, it is not the realm at which human thought occurs. Like you can't go in and mess with somebody's mind oh, directly sure. through the cognitive realm that we've seen yet. Yes. Yeah, right. that we have that we have yet seen. So that's why it's so interesting to me, which is, it does contain these human ideas but only indirectly in those human ideas of things. Yes, it's almost it's almost as if the ideal that the the ideals that we can never actually um bring into the physical realm that is where they exist. Right. So justice well justice and like the idea of you know I am a stick. Right. Um right. only that that the idea that it is a stick exists in the cognitive realm. Yes. Given life by humans. Right. And their perception that it is a stick. Yes. But we don't see the actual thought process of it is a stick in the cognitive realm. It is the only the effects those thought has on the object in question. Yes. So that's why I find the cognitive realm so so fascinating. And that's my brain fried for the day. <laughs> but this is also, I mean, this is almost explicitly what is stated in um, The Emperor's Soul. Right. When, what's her name? Shy? Shy. Shy is describing the cognitive realm. 
The reason that that wall is considered a wall rather than any individual stone is because humans perceive it as a wall mm -hmm. rather than each individual stone block in the wall being its own separate yes. entity. Yes. Um, that said, what is your viewpoint on the cognitive realm? Um, it's easily, easily the coolest of the realms. Um, because it's some some place you can go to, right, right. Uh, which which we haven't talked about the spiritual realm, but can't quite get there. Not quite. Um, Though there, mm, well, we'll we'll get to that. I think it's I think it's um, I think it's where a lot of the most interesting bits take place, and and it 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 will be the crux of the the finale. Of, yes. Of the whole whole thing will be because the cognitive realm exists and that's and we see that with world, world hoppers right I mean, right of really, course that's what yeah. i'm basing it off of and the silverlight academy is in the cognitive realm i can't quite wrap my mind around it uh other than how it's presented in the books right so, which so fine. far we don't have a whole lot of it well, like we have a lot of implied info right but not a lot of canonically stated information about the cognitive realm right Right. The the one thing that I did find interesting is that no matter where on the cognitive realm you are, objects are represented by, by spheres. Yes. Because, like, it's the glass spheres in Stormlight Archives, but even in, in Mistborn on Scadriel, when Kelsier is in the cognitive realm, we still see objects collapsing into spheres of mist. Sure. So I just find it interesting that no matter where you are, no matter what material it's made out of, objects still reduce themselves to spheres. Yes. Which, I don't know if there's an explanation for that or not. Likely there is, and we'll never know it. That's true. That's just how it is. That, um, that's what Brandon Sanderson's seminal work is going to be. At the very end of his life, he is going to write right. a Cosmere encyclopedia. That's right. Connecting all the dots. Yes. All the spheres. They're all connected. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Although, okay, so here's an interesting thing that actually just occurred to me. I find it fascinating that uh, some of the Spren exist I find in the it, cognitive realm. I find it interesting that all of the Spren exist in the, well, in the cognitive realm. Okay, but some don't, because oh, we sure. know that the wind Spren are physical realm, like they appear as like little motes of light in the cognitive realm, but they don't exist in the cognitive realm the same as other spren do. Yet the, yes, that there are some spren that do choose to, or they have to spend most, if not all, of their lives in the physical realm. Right. But the emotional ones don't. The Correct. anger spren, the surprise right. spren, all of those exist in the cognitive realm. Right, and then bleed through a little bit. Right. And... So maybe you know, because it's been a while since I've read Stormlight Archives, and you almost just finished a reread. Um, do they feed on human emotion? Is that why they're attracted to it? I imagine they do. They didn't quite... not To my knowledge, they didn't explicitly say that. Okay. Obviously, they're attracted to it, so I imagine that in some regard they are feeding on it. Um... Which must mean, which, 
Which does bring up, and I guess support what I said before, is that the cognitive realm is defined by human thought. It's it's interesting that the thought bleeds through into the cognitive realm strongly mm-hmm. enough that spren of that emotion are drawn to it. Yes. So, I don't know. It's it's I like you said. I think it's the most interesting of the three realms. Right. Because, because then we get the spiritual realm, which we have only seen briefly once. Um. Well, I guess twice. We've seen it briefly twice, potentially. We've seen it briefly once in a secret history, Mistborn of Secret History, because Kelsier grabs preservation right. and is shown the spiritual realm. He doesn't actually go there, but sure. he does see it. Yes. Um, and that's how he makes the plan that leads to the positive outcome of the whole face off with ruin we also potentially see it in a way because when dalinar makes honors perpendicularity when facing off with that herald which i'm drawing a blank on which herald it was the one that was convinced that dalinar was evil and oh to be fought um ishar yes that's right when Dalinar brings Honor's perpendicularity almost more actively into the physical realm than he did in any previous thing, I think we get a glimpse of the spiritual realm, which is why we see Ishar, or why Ishar regains his mind. Yes, yes. And, and is, yeah, and is functioning, or or thinking clearly rather than yes. with his insanity. And he also regains his sanity when uh, an oath is sworn right. with a bondsmith. Right. So, um, but yeah, it is it is potentially a realm that exists in all times and in all places simultaneously. Connecting all things? Potentially, I mean, we do know that it is the realm where spirit webs exist. Yes. So, people at their core exist in the spiritual realm. Right. Which would mean that at least all people, all places, and all times exist simultaneously in the spiritual realm. Right. Because in the in the Emperor's soul... I believe Shai mentions that she changes the soul of the item. Right. So, all from. Before I read The Emperor's Soul. Okay. I was under the impression that in the spiritual realm, if we took, for example, one human. Yes. That human is connected to everything that they have ever um, interacted with in their life. But in several other spots, which I'm drawing a blank on now, I think in the Emperor's Soul, it made it seem like we are all connected to everything with the things that we've interacted with being stronger connections. Yes, but okay, so here's also another complication in the, the structure of the Cosmere. I'm not going to say this is a fault of Brandon Sanderson or even a criticism, but it is a complication. Sure. 
So we know that Shy does her transformations by expect by affecting the spirit web, at least when it comes to people. Sure. The I mean that's the the entire premise is that she is trying to reconnect the emperor or right. re, re reconstruct the the emperor with the stamps by affecting his spirit web. But we also know that she can affect things. Yes. Does that mean that things have a spirit world, spirit web, or does that mean that she is affecting those things on in the cognitive realm? Right. And so in my head, it's it's in the spiritual realm, and each of those things has its own spirit web, just like they have its own version of itself in the cognitive realm. So then what are surge binders doing when they transform objects using the cognitive realm? Soul casting, Griff. <laughs> right. But what does soul casting do? Like, does that affect the thing's spirit web? Oh, I see. I believe, I believe it's, uh, I believe they're, they're different enough in ways that I can't describe <laughs> <laughs> because Sanderson has said that he wanted them to be named separately because, but, but you make a good point. Um, because like, like literally they transform what they're touching. Like, like when, and, and the fact is we know this can happen to people too, because Yasna in that terrifying display of power literally takes a guy and transforms him into crystal. Yes. And transforms another guy into pure flame before it poofs and vanishes. So, so what I, what I understand Mm-hmm. Is that it's two separate ideas. Okay. And in Emperor's Soul, Shy is she is not persuading something to be something else. She is changing its past history, and I assume its connections, to turn okay. it into something else. Whereas Yasna and the Soul Casters are persuading it in that moment to be something else via the cognitive realm. So that's actually fascinating because that means that. A person or thing's essence is contained in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. But the structural integrity of what a thing is is contained in the cognitive realm, but displayed in the physical realm. Yes. Which is fascinating. If you soul cast something, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's spiritual web. Assuming that the every right, let's assume you can't change the history of a thing by soul casting it. Right. You can only change what it is and becomes in the future. Right. And it's and its spirit web stays the same. Mm. It. I think its spirit web is destroyed at that point. Well, insofar as the spirit web can be destroyed. Potentially. Right. Who am I to argue with that? I think it, it does affect the spirit web insofar as moving forward, its spirit web reflects that it is now something else. Sure, but it still has those connections. But it still has those connections. And that, again, depends on, is it connected to literally everything else in the Cosmere, or is it just what it's been interacted with, which, at that point... I would point, almost say, on that front, that, what are they called, soul marks? Yes. Is that what is that what Shai uses? I believe so. That sounds right. It almost sounds like that is actually more powerful than soul casting. I believe so, but then it also takes more time. Right, it takes extremely more time. But the fact that she has that power, although there's also a vast limitation on that, 
which is because dominion and devotion exist in the cognitive realm for cell right soul casting would only stay so long as somebody still exists on cell the changes that she makes are reliant on yes and not only on cell but specifically close to the continent that shy and inhabits right because if if like in the same way the Elantrans are weaker the, the further, further they away they get from Elantris they should just, just make a bunch of Elantris just re reconstruct Elantris that, that's on a not, different continent that's not how it works but if they if they get some stone uh benders what are they called the stone Oh, the stone, the wards. stone wards. Yeah, the stone wards. If they wards. get the stone wards, why not make the earthquake again? Why not make the, the okay, country... okay, but <laughs> <laughs> it's terraform, it's... <laughs> terraform. It is. It is attached to the geographical location on Scatter or on Cell, not just the city that it stands. Duplicate the geographic location. It's easy, Griff. It's fictional. Sure. We can, we can do whatever sure, we, we can. want. <laughs> but I do find it interesting that in, in a certain way, no realm is superior to any of the others. No. No, not in any objective way. Right. Subjectively, Roshar is the best. Well, <laughs> I, I more meant the spiritual realm, the cognitive oh. realm, and the physical oh, realm. None is objectively right. more powerful they just inhabit different areas right um but tell us where do the shards reside uh the spiritual realm except except dominion and devotion are explicitly in the cognitive realm right and the reason that has been given at the very least is that odium did not want anybody else to obtain their power and so apparently moving them from the spiritual to the cognitive realm kept that from occurring. Right. Though how he accomplished that... The world may is, never know. ...is something I have questions about. Um, but apparently they exist as a very dangerous form of plasma in the cognitive realm for Cell. Yes. Which is fascinating to me. Because we know that Hoyt at least traveled there. Mm -hmm. And we know that some people have traveled off of Cell. I imagine that he, Hoyt had, um, here's a far out theory. Hoyt had a, um, he, he, he could, uh, what's the term with, with the Mistborn people where they, with the Dualborns where they, they, they can burn what they've stored. Compounding? Compounding. He compounded uh, gold. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. And honestly, the fact is, the way that... Um, what's his name? The Elantrian that helps the main character. I'm drawing Galadon. on names. Galadon. The way that he may have actually been able to get off of world is that the Elantrians are pretty much impervious to damage. That's true. So he may have retained his Elantrian nature until he left Elantris, but by that point he was out of danger right. from the plasma of 
Right. The cognitive realm. Right. Which, that actually kind of leads us into the fact that the cognitive realm is apparently attached to, but also separate from, um, the planet. Yes. And you can travel from one planet to another via the cognitive realm, but there is also apparently spaces between... That cognitive shadows can't pass. Right. Although they kind of can, because we know that at least Kelsier was able to travel into the in-between realm, because he reaches that one fortress. Right, right. So there's there's a lot of blurred lines right now in terms of what's doable. What we do know is that both the Heralds and Kelsier, Fidekar, have complained about not being able to move... From one planet from, to another. Yes. yes. Uh, so so there's, there is a hard limit somewhere. Right, which is why Kelsier created the Ghost Bloods, because they can get where he cannot. Right. But we do know that... But it is interesting that while the Cognitive Realm is tied to the planets, the way that World Hoppers exist is by traveling the Cognitive Realm from right. one planet to another. We know that that's how... Azure got from, I don't remember the world of Warbreaker. Nalthus? Now, that sounds right. Nalthus to Roshar. Right. And we also know that, well, so here's an interesting thing, which is, I have some interesting questions about quite how the cognitive realm and the physical realm interact, and here's the reason why. Okay. So we know that when shard bearers travel to the cognitive realm, their spren take on their humanoid physical form. Yes. They can't form into shard blades. Right. Uh, in the cognitive realm. Yes. We know this. It has been stated solidly. We know that weapons such as Nightblood have at least as much power as a shard blade. At least. At least. Uh, potentially more, because... Right. Nightblood night affected Odium in a way that I don't think any shard blade would be capable right. of doing. More specifically, the Vessel of Odium. The Vessel, yes, that's true. It did not affect the essence of Odium. Barely any. It Barely was... any, but it definitely defeated the... And we at least know that the shards... Um, Vessels are stronger for for having the shards within them. Right. We know that they are resistant to damage. But um, when a breath user takes an awakened item, such as Nightblood, into the Cognitive Realm, they retain their shape and do not become spheres. That's correct. So there's an interesting interaction, which is... When moved into the cognitive realm, is there still a sphere for that item in the cognitive realm? I'd argue no, and that there's some sort of persistence that happens when a human goes from the physical to the cognitive, because it's right. not just that um, awakened item, but also clothes... Right, the all weapons, of those still exist. The right. weapons that Adolin brings in in Rhythm of War, he loads up um, 
gallant with a whole bunch of different swords. Right. And those still exist. Right. Um, and I imagine that they don't have the the little sphere of of them still. Right. So does that mean that soul casting would fail on a physical item that exists within the cognitive realm? I imagine so. And we haven't seen it yet. No, I don't think we have. So I would say that yes, probably soul casting does not work on an item that has traveled from the physical realm to the cognitive realm. Yes, yes. But wait, wait. No, yet. Yeah. No. Okay, question. When we see... I'm going to draw a blank on names, so you're going to have to help me here. Shalon. Shalon, thank you. When we see Shalon working with her students on soul casting, are they doing that in the cognitive realm to soul cast food? Don't. Are they doing it on the ship? I don't know. I want to say they are, which raises a whole crap ton of more questions. I think you could probably soul cast if 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 the item was the the sphere of itself in the cognitive realm and you turned it into its physical shape in right. the cognitive realm I think you could still likely soul cast it somehow either whether that's putting it back to its little sphere form something like that and then bringing it back out into its physical form maybe but. i don't it it's it raises questions and i mean of course this is a realm or this is a a function of things created by humans so there are bound to be inconsistencies based on the fact that we approach storytelling with certain right. caveats in place that we understand purely from an intrinsic level as being human right. like like so Soul casting is complicated, let me put it that way. Whoa. Yeah, shocking. Whoa. Um, Blowing my mind here. But I would say that I think that... Okay, so here's an interesting theory. Okay. This is... It's time for Griff's Far Out Theory. Yeah, Far Out Theory. Well, not necessarily Far Out, but an interesting one. What if when you bring a physical item into the cognitive realm, its sphere and its physical form merge into a single entity. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it can still be soul cast because the sphere is there. Sure. In, in you know, quotations. But you also have the physical aspect of it because you brought it from the cognitive realm. That's as good a theory as any. I think it would it would at least solve the problem that we've been running into currently. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um... That's a question for, for Brando Sando. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, if we ever get to a convention, that will probably be the question I ask. I will want to go back and reread Everything. Rhythm of War to make sure that they were soul casting in the spiritual realm. Yes, I should be coming up on that part fairly soon. Okay, so you can at least answer that in the future, because I do want to know. Right. But if they are, then that is absolutely the question I would ask, is do the does the physical thing and its sphere merge when you bring a physical item into the cognitive realm, and is that why items can still be soul cast in the cognitive realm? 
even though its sphere is not something you have access to. Yes. But anyway, that's the cognitive realm. And we have almost already touched on the spiritual realm, at least as much as we know. Right. Apart from the fact that apparently the spiritual realm is all white. I mean, in my head, I was imagining the webs being white. So if everything's connected to everything, everything would be white. So right. That makes sense. Sure. I mean, let me well, let me just say this: when Kelsier views the spiritual realm. I believe he talks about it being white, but with, like, he's able to see the futures, like, time stretching out in two directions. Oh, interesting. Like, he, he talks about being able to look out into eternity and see the future, which is how he right. creates the, the, the plan that he does with Vin and getting the earring ripped out of her ear and, and all that. Um, and we do know that I believe it's pure white when Dalinar makes honors perpendicularity. Right. Which brings the spiritual, cognitive, and physical realm into one place. Right. So, I always kind of imagine the spirit webs as being, like, kind of blue-white oh, okay. looking thing of energy. But that's sure. just what it was in my brain. We we have no... No. I was we have not about... seen... A flat black surface with cracks in it being the web going out. Oh, interesting. But See, okay, the reason work. that I, I never thought of it that way was because they talk about creating cracks in somebody's spirit web. Right. Which is how... Emotional damage. <laughs> emotional <laughs> damage. <laughs> is, but the the reason that, that trauma is what allows... Um, Investiture users. Right. Because, because, um, yeah, we, we have had it confirmed that trauma is what allows somebody to be an investiture user, which, in, from a purely mental health perspective, is fucking awful. <laughs> but, from a dramatic perspective of creating a story that people will enjoy reading, is brilliant. Yes. Agreed. Um, actually, I, I love... I was watching an overly sarcastic productions video, which, if for those of you listening, I highly recommend you check out their, their channel, Overly Sarcastic Productions. Uh, Red, who's... That's the only name she's ever gone by, as far as I'm aware. Um, I mean, that's not her name, but that's the moniker she goes by. She does a series called Trope Talks, where sure. she covers various tropes in fiction... And she was talking about the love triangle. Mm. And she was saying, I don't remember exactly where in the video she said it, but she was saying that um, from, a, from a things that are mentally healthy and things that are dramatic, the Venn diagram of things that are mentally healthy and things that are dramatic is a very slim line that really only exists with hugging and making apologies. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only place where the two interconnect. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. You're yeah. not wrong. Drama requires non-mentally healthy decisions to be yeah. made. Yeah, let's be real. Um, yeah. uh, which, which, so long as that is recognized, I think actually that might be the major failing of our society on how it looks at storytelling, mm. which is... 
what makes for a dramatically good story and what makes for a mentally healthy person is two completely different things. That is correct. And that's why the story ends after character development is attained, because that character is going from a mentally unhealthy person developing into a mentally healthy person, but once they reach that point, the story's done. Right. You have no dramatic tension. The character's arc is complete. They have potentially become a mentally healthy person, and so therefore the story is done. Right. And I that's likely where we get a lot more of the popcorn movies um, being more of the hero's journey or Marvel-esque, which is there is an outside force that is doing acting upon the world and then the people that are okay mentally generally right. need to come forward and fight right and and make or the, take the ring right. to mordor and and so it it's a more superficial level where it's not necessarily drama but it's fun actiony stuff right right yes you don't you don't get too deep and that's probably why those movies do so i know I like those movies for that fact. Right, right, exactly. Like, I would never say that, that the Marvel movies are dramatic masterpieces. Right. But I will absolutely say they are fun, action-y pieces because, mm -hmm. yes, uh, for, for that direct reason. Right. Um, I think that, yeah, I think you are completely correct. Mm -hmm. But I also think that this is why, you know, da or, or why book series, well, not to get too deep into it, but I think Too the reason late. that books create dramatic stories better than movies is because there is not the pacing or time constraint mm -hmm. that movies have. Mm -hmm. You are able to take literally as much time as you want to develop those characters from their unhealthy beginnings mm -hmm. into an emotionally healthy person. And so, yeah, I think that... And you don't, you know, have a two or even three hour time constraint the same way movies do. That's true. But I think that that is, as I said, from a dramatic perspective, I think that the s investiture users requiring, for the most part, I'm not actually going to say that that's completely true. Sure. But for the most part, the crux in the spirit of web being necessary to become an investiture user and therefore requiring emotional trauma is a fantastic tool from a dramatic perspective because it means that your heroes will always be people who need to have character development. Yes. Although breath users, not so much. No. Because everybody has a breath. Right. Which, it makes me wonder what the breath actually is. Oh. Like, be because, because... Would somebody who travels to Nalthus from a different planet, let's say Kaladin, sure, would he have a breath that could be extracted? I don't think so. I do think it's it's from endowment when the person is person born. born or right conceived or whatever. Right. Which I wonder what their what their birth mortality rates are because if it's when they're conceived and they've got a little bit of God in them, um, and they're healthy. I don't, are that potentially healthier? I don't know. Right. Well, what was the level that they? What was the heightening that they needed for? Was it a hundred breaths where remember. immortality is achieved? 
Because, okay, we know that it takes a thousand breaths to make an awakened item. Right. We know that the Emperor had 10,000 breaths. Yeah. Uh, which is what, or the, the God King. God, right. God King. God King? Yeah, yeah. God King. So Sandaron. Yes. Um, so... Um, so the fact is, is yeah, I don't know if it would affect mortality rates. That's a question for another day. Yeah, that would be a question for Brandon Sanderson. That'd be yeah. Then, and he'd be like, you know what? Well, okay, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get massively popular. Sure. We're going to have a huge listening base. Absolutely. And then we're going to bring Sanderson on as a guest. Yes. And we are going to ask him all of the nitty-gritty questions about the cognitive realm and how investors and other things work. That sounds exactly what he'd be up for. That we want, because there are some questions. <laughs> I have some questions. There are a lot of questions. But I would say, okay, so here's the two questions I have. And we may have to move this into the the thing when we cover Nalthus. Can you extract a breath from somebody who... Well, no, you can't, because they have to give... Uh, they have to give consent. Right. They, they have to... Well, okay, but here's an interesting thing about that. You have to give consent to give it up, but you do not have to give consent to receive it. That's correct. Because... Nivena... Nivena? Vivenna? Vivenna, sorry. I was like, I'm not, Navani? Vivenna? <laughs> right, right, good lord. Vivenna has the breaths bestowed on her without her agreeing to it. Yes. Um, for dramatic purposes. For dramatic purposes, yes. But I find that interesting, that you have to consent to give them up. Right. But you don't have to consent to receive them. I imagine that was a, that was a specific decision. Oh, yes, I, I completely imagine so. But, yes, yeah, so that could be a... a um, but, yeah, the breath is probably gifted to somebody when they are conceived or when they are born. Could give an interesting thing to somebody drawing their first breath. Yeah. But, anyway... Um, but we also know that breath can be used outside of Nalthus the way that all investiture can, because right. we see Vasher use it yes. when he's fighting fighting Kaladin. Yeah. Um, and we don't actually see Vivenna use any of her breath in the actual fight scene of her as Azure on the... Do we? Because I don't think we see much of her at all. We just Sh see her using the blade. Sh I thought it mentions that Kaladin... Kaladin mentions that she's moving in ways that do not make sense. Maybe it does. It's been a while since I've yeah, read it, so I'd have to go back and review. Honestly, I fell asleep. Uh, I, I listened as I, as I fall asleep. Ah, uh, okay. And, and I had fallen asleep during that part, um, and I didn't go back far enough, and then I was like, I remember what happens. Right. So now, obviously, I don't. Um, <laughs> that would have been useful to just another 20 minutes back. Anyways, here but we are. I will say that it is interesting. Yeah, breath is breath is one of those that I want more answers on. Mm -hmm. On exactly because we clearly know from the the science scientific research that they do 
Right. Like like the the commands that awaken the 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 are they called the awakened? No. What are the dead? The dead that are reanimated. There's a term for them that they use. I don't remember. Okay. But regardless, the fact that they only take one command and therefore one breath to make right. was an advancement of the research into breath. And also that is apparently how Nightblood was created as well, right. was was the research into breath. And then the, the liquid that yes. they make for the Awakened that's, I think, supposed to replace their blood, if I remember yeah, correctly, that oil. Like, that. like, that's also apparently part of that research. So I'm, I I hope we will cover more of that in the second Warbreaker. Hopefully. Probably not, but hopefully. But hopefully, yeah. Well, it's time for some far-out theories. Yes. So we've already mentioned um, Hoyd will bring Adelnasium back together. Right. I think... Says it would Okay. Die. My far out theory okay. is I have a feeling that we will see somebody die, go into that point that Kelsier mentions, the that all the sword, yeah, the beyond, and come back. I don't know who, but I think we will see it at least once. Okay. I feel that somebody will go into the beyond and find a way to make their way back. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it'll happen... I don't think it'll happen in the next few... I think it might be a... Not not just a series finale, but a arc finale. I think we will not see it until probably somewhere near the end of the Odium arc as a whole. Sure. Because... But I think that that will be an aspect of it. Not entirely sure, of course, sure. but but sure. that is that is my far out theory, is that we will see somebody go into the beyond and come back. Okay. Yes. And now, do we want to cover the? Uh... Who's that shard? Yes. So this is the portion of the thing where we are going to make conjectures about what the last two unknown shards are yes. before we are, and I'm sure that this will. This section will unfortunately be cut just as soon as those two shards are revealed. Yes, but well, we up could until change it point. into if if the intent when Al Nasim was shattered. Right. What else could there be? True. Um, we can we can move into that once the last two shards are revealed, which will probably be like the last book of Mistborn Era Four. So you know, <laughs> I feel like if there if okay, so the. Moving back onto the far-out theories, this isn't necessarily a far-out one. Sure. Are we going to see a collection of all the remaining shards versus Odium and his followers at some point or another? That's a good question. My heart says yes, but my brain says no. Right. It will be very specific shards with very specific armies that Odium has mentioned. Exist, right. Right. Uh, but what what I wonder is, is Odium going to have his own team of shards that he is going to promise not to shatter versus sure. those who want to stay alive? And right. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where that, that all concludes. It certainly will be. Oh, I had another far-out theory. Okay. Um, the 
technology for mm-hmm. the uh wow the earth hero has the oath gates oath gates oh yes oath gates will be the technology um this brand technology whatever it is right uh will be used for um the ufos in the six of the dusk so far out that the technology is crazy good. Oh, okay. I think that the Oath Gates will be used um, to move people from uh, those ships onto a specific world. Or, oh, I see. Like, okay, so so like the tra- the transporters from Star Wars. Sure. Except, except yeah. Or from yeah. Star Trek or from, yeah. So here's my question on yeah. that front. So we know that in Six of the Dusk, and I don't know where in the podcast we're going to fucking put this, but whatever. We know in Six of the Dust they talk about, like, those from the sky or the beings yes. from the sky or something like that. So clearly, potentially spaceships. We yes. know it's technology. Why would people have developed spaceships when traveling from the cognitive realm is that much more available and that much easier? Perpendicularities to different planets in the same system don't exist. Perpendicularities would only exist from, let's say, Richard. Oh, right. Only only those bounded shards have perpendicularities. Right. So to go from Rochard to Braze, it may be more feasible to create a spaceship. Right. Then. So bigger question. Alternatively, the cognitive realm is not no longer safe. How do the planets of the sing or the souls of the singers travel from Roshar to Braze. Odium's perpendicularity. You think Odium has a perpendicularity on Braze? I do. Okay, fair. Because the heralds also come back. Right. But still there are plenty of planets that don't have perpendicularities sure. and still have life. Sure. So yeah, I completely understand that yeah, a spaceship would allow travel to that world and plus, o- yeah. Plus, you have to at least be at least somewhat invested to be able to travel to the cognitive realm, and we also yeah. know that not everybody has that capability, mm-hmm. because Hoyd does. If you are an else caller, you can. I still don't know how like. Duladon. Got into the cognitive realm. Galadon, yeah, or Galadon, or Demu, yeah, like. I imagine that... I mean, Adolin doesn't have any... And he went through an oath gate. Right, but I mean, like, most planets don't have oath gates. Sure. So... Sure, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things where it makes me curious as to how other people... Like, is there an Elantrin set of symbols that allows you to travel to the cognitive realm of Cell? Maybe. Probably. Let's probably, be real. Probably, yeah. Probably. I mean, like, but it, it does make me interested to find out how some people have found a way to move from the physical realm to the cognitive realm. Right. Because going from the cognitive realm back actually makes a lot more sense because you can see the perp- perpendicularities for what they are in the cognitive right. realm. Like the the well and... Mm-hmm. I the mean, other well. The mind before, <laughs> before uh, Kelsier destroyed them. Right. Um, and like uh, the... I guess there's the pond in the mountain. Yeah. 
that is what cultivations perpendicularity yeah the lake yeah it's yeah. cultivations yeah yeah um but but yeah it makes me interesting how world hopping exists and how some people got the capability of doing so because like demu he has no investiture that we know about thus far right but it's still a world hopper so right. and we, we know for a fact that what's his name uh the leader of the ghost bloods on roshar yes the guy with the bird Mraze. yeah Mraze. i don't believe he has any kind of investiture that we've seen that we have thus far seen could so be, could be anything he could be a uh alamancer and we'd never know it's true at the moment but who's that shard mm. right who's that shard so would you like to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, for this for this uh, week, um, I'll say wisdom. Okay. And question. Yes. Since we're going to be covering this later, but I do want to have it be part of this. Who who is wisdom a counterpart to? Uh, Odium. Okay. Uh, because as you know from my beliefs on that, uh, a one to one is unlikely um but if if it was going to be a one-to-one -one counterpart right uh I, I would say odium but i would say odium for a lot of things sure, sure. um but um and i think i'm i'm gonna be stealing a little bit of your reasoning here in that i do believe the shard wisdom sanderson has said that there is a shard that has has run in and hide and ran and hide right um and i do believe that could be wisdom knowing oh, okay. that he does not stand. It does not stand a chance against, against Odium. Odium, right? Um, and uh, Hoyd in Oathbringer, briefly, in a kind of offhand way. So I'm not saying this is 100% proof at all. Right. But he does say something along along the lines of um, having met Wisdom, or Wisdom doesn't like him, or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, or Wisdom doesn't get along, or something like that. Um, I'd be hard-pressed to find the actual quote. I might right. grab Oathbringer here in a bit. He might have made it, made it metaphorically, exactly. but... Exactly. But in that moment, I was like, oh... Right. We've so... gotten a letter from Autonomy saying, yeah, I'm making another avatar that's specifically not going to like you, Hoyt, so don't come and find it. Right, right. Um, in that way. So... Also, bitch that she is, she put that back on his home world. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't apparently. That. Yeah, apparently that is that is Hoyt's home world and that's where she stuck it, so. Well, we know who Hoyt's killing first. <laughs> um, um, so that's that's really all that. Jesus, Wolfie. That was creepy. <laughs> um, oh, yes, yeah, so uh, we've said this in episode zero, but we'll probably repeat it a few times throughout the series. If you hear dogs and or cats in the background, there are animals in the places where we're recording them, so they're almost inevitable. They're Kremling, Kremlings of the uh, sleepers. Yes, yes. So so that's really all I've got for mine uh, this week. What about what about you? Well, okay, first I'm going to have some opinions on your... Sure. One, I don't actually think your idea about wisdom is so far out there. Sure. However, I disagree that it's the one that Hoyd refers to that ran and high ran and hid. Okay. Um, I would say personally, I believe that if there is wisdom, it is a counterpart to whimsy. Sure. Um, that makes sense. And I believe that we have not yet encountered it. Sure. My idea for who's that shard is 
one called Survival uh-huh. or Self-Preservation. I've gone through a few different name sure. names, but and I believe that is the one that is running and hiding. Sure. Uh, because I think that it's its survival is its base instinct nature. Like that right. that is that is what the shard is all about, is making sure that you survive regardless. And I believe that it is the counterpart to Valor. Okay. I think the Valor is the idea of fighting and or sacrificing yourself for bravery. I think it's the counterpart to bravery, basically. Sure. So where bravery is is going up against something that you fear and, and going through with it anyway... I believe that survival would be the counterpart to that, where it would run, it would hide. It's that base survival instinct in right. everyone. And similar to Odium not being called hatred, even though right. it is hatred, Right. Um, we could say that survival is cowardice right. with but, a different name. But a different name. With a, with a better name. Um, so, yeah, I'll agree with you. Um, I don't think the name would be survival, uh, but I do think you make a strong argument for... It being a counterpart to Valor, and Brando Sando has said that one ran and, and well, hid. Right, well, yeah, that, that's where my theory came from, is that there was one that ran and hid, ran and hid, and I believe that it is the counterpart to Valor, yeah. and whatever it ends up being named. I think Cowardice seems a little too on the nose, which is why right. I didn't think that it would... That's why I actually initially went with self-preservation, because I feel like that gets across the idea while... Yeah, but but we also have one called well, preservation, preservation, and so, that would be odd. Yes, so so, and I don't think yeah, like you said, I think it'd be odd to have the the dual dual use of the word preservation. So I think that I went with survival. Sure. I think that brings us to our non-cosmic corner. Yes, yes, it does. Which you've got a um, semi-non-Cosmere corner. Yes, yeah, somewhat non-Cosmere. It is, it, is co- it is directly Cosmere related, but it is not done by Brandon Sanderson or anyone he has specifically endorsed. And that is the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Used by many, loved by all. <laughs> um, it is uh, a soundtrack called Kaladin by Black Piper, I believe. Along with various artists. It is on Spotify. I do not know if it is on any other music streaming service. But it is a direct uh, soundtrack for Way of Kings. Um, I mean, like, the the tracks have names such as Stormbringer or Assassin in White or sure. Silfrena. So, and, and I believe it actually chronologically, the tracks are in order of where they would appear in the books. Oh, though. Yeah. They are not long enough where you could read the book in time with the soundtrack and get right. through it fast enough. No, <laughs> but no. but they do they do uh, move in chronological order of what happens in the book, and it's quite good, honestly. I think that it is. I have listened to Stormbringer several times. Nice. Uh, or no, not Stormbringer. Stormblessed. Storm Sorry, Stormblessed yes. several times, and it is quite good. So. And you, I believe, had a very non-related Cosmere related. Right. Um, we have uh, the Elden Ring right. game, video game came out, um, and I believe that Cosmere fans, if you play video games, would would greatly enjoy it. Um, I have not picked it up yet. I'd like to. Time is short, uh, but uh, Brandon Sanderson really likes the Dark Souls games. Right. And yes. 
this is from those makers. It has, from what I've seen, I've, I've watched several hours of people playing it. It's very, it, it's, it's directly. Is it Souls-esque? It, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's Souls, but it's, um, instead of being a linear, um, confusing maze of open a, open a secret door here so that you can, you know, after you easily get back, right, right. it is open world. Oh, okay. Um, All right. And the story, uh, the lore is written by George R. R. Martin, which Sanderson has said has, will probably do a great job. Right. Um, so I imagine if you like the Cosmere lore, you'll probably, if you haven't played Bloodborne, I really enjoyed Bloodborne. Um, I had to watch several videos on the lore to really understand it. That's how deep it goes. Um, but it's very interesting and, you know, fear the old blood. <laughs> yes. So, yes. And I think that's, uh, that wraps that's, up what I had. And I think that's this episode. Um, and then there's still the miniatures coming out this summer. Oh, yes, yes. Which I will probably be picking up a set of. Is that on a Kickstarter? Uh, not yet. Okay. I do think they plan it to be a Kickstarter, and I don't know if it's, like, printable files or the actual set of them that they'll send out. I imagine it'll be both. Probably. Um, uh, let me know, since you tend to discover those things before I do, let yeah. me know when the Kickstarter goes live, because I will... Yes, it's uh, through Brotherwise Games. They have a page set up where you can enter your email to get oh, okay. where you updates. Can... So. Yeah, because... I still check, even though I haven't received any <laughs> updates, because the, the figures they have for Shalon and Kaladin look real good. So That's it, yeah. There, there's... I'm personally hoping for... Obviously, Kaladin and Shallan. Right. Dalinar, Adolin. Yes. Hoyd, Yasna. Um, and then I'd love some Parshendi. I hope Seth. Yes. I hope we get Zeth. Zeth would be awesome. Lift. Nail. Nail. Nail the Herald. Actually, okay, I want all the Heralds. Yeah, if, if we put in all the Heralds. They've said something around 20-ish figures okay. for the first. Let me say this. I at least hope we get, if not all the Heralds, at least the Heralds that we have seen thus far. That'd be good. So, um, Nail. I don't remember any of the other ones, but the one that, that comes Ash, back. Ash. Um, law uh... Yeah, I haven't, I haven't ever said his name out loud. Taln, Talena, yeah, Talenel, Elin, uh, Talen a lot. Right, the, the, those those ones. Tal, yeah, Tal, Tal, Tal. Nail, Tom, Ash. Right. Who's Palm also? Yes. Um, and then Ishar, we've seen. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, and Yezrian died. Right. Right. Which. I didn't catch the first time at all. <laughs> I hope we do get some singers. Yeah. Or some Parshendi, like you said. Um, Relaine and Venley. Ideally in their final... In, in what... At the end of Rhythm of War. Right, right. Uh, where they're... Yeah. We've got Nimble... Or we've got the uh, Envoy in the... In the war form with Relaine. So there's some difficulty with those figures. From my point of view... And here's the only difficulty that I have, which is since they are canonical, and I, I are they going to come painted or do they say? They they didn't say on their okay. site. They do have unpainted Shalon and Kaladin with a painted Shalon and Kaladin. And gotcha. again, that that's why I think they'll give files and possibly right, painted and possible set. Worker. 
trying to use the figures for anything other than <laughs> and, and like and here's the thing if i if i ever do if i ever complete that that stormlight or the well the, the, cosmere. the, the cosmere tabletop rpg I, at the very least, would never run a game nor want to play in a game where we're using canonical characters. Sure. I want to run alongside those canonical characters, potentially. Right. But I don't want to play the canonical characters. Right. right. I just want them to paint. Fair. And, and to be have... fair, actually, if I run a Cosmere game, there's a good chance that you'll run into Stormlight characters, so oh, having yeah. the figurines for them may not be a bad thing. Yeah. But I'd love to see some... Um... Because they're working with uh, Dragonsteel, the company. Right, Sanderson's right. company. Um, I'd love to see some shard plate. Yes! If, if That would be really cool. If you give me two or three poses of and two or three generic shard plates, you could do various colors, and then all of a sudden you have fourth ideal... Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and actually, that would be really nice, because the fact is, is that with... Actually, that would be the nice thing about the files, which is potentially right. the files, they could release a lot more than just the figurines themselves. That's true. And so that would be nice. And if they did shard plate... Generic shard plate users... Right. Or, or even, honestly, canonical shard plate users, the fact that the shard plate covers the entire face... That's right. ...and body, even if it is specifically O Dalinar's or Adolin's light... Right. You could easily repaint them into something else and just have them be generic shard users. Right. And it's difficult to do, but a uh, replaceable weapon uh, potentially, yeah. Would be... Though I mean, I I suppose unless they're people that got their shard plate as non surge binders. Yes. Well, but I mean, shard pl shard blades can take any form, so. Right. Because, right. like, Kaladin typically uses a spear. Yeah. I'd love to see Lift with a fork, <laughs> with a shard fork. Yes. Um, yes. Or, or a, she, with a rolling She uses pen. a rod currently, doesn't she? The... Like... like yeah, it's kind it's, of in the shape of a sword, but it's more like a baton. It was in Oathbringer, at the end of Oathbringer, she summons um, uh, Wendell as a, almost like a training sword... Where it's a rod, but it has a hilt. Right. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, so... That's uh, what I said. Kind of like, almost like a baton, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I believe so, that's our episode. That is likely our episode. Uh, so, until next time, uh, stay safe, world hoppers. And we will see you next time. Yes. The music you hear is Part 3, The Spirit, from Zavadilla's The Music of Elantris, produced by B-Roll Records. Available now on Apple Music, Spotify, and most music providers. If you like what you hear, and you want others to hear it as well, please leave a rate and review. It really helps us get more listeners.